were. The enemy's job is to, to put your hands down. The enemy's job is to tell you, no, don't lift your hands. Don't raise your voice. No, don't close your eyes. Don't focus on Jesus. But, but, but God's desire for you is that you become that vessel of worship. And that, like Psalms 150 says, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. And we are called to worship God in spirit and in truth. And Lord, we thank you, God, that there's freedom in this place. That we can lift up holy hands because of the grace of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that we can lift and raise our voice, God, because there's freedom and there's strength in this place. Some of you, it's, it's, it's barely a whisper because the enemy's got you in a stranglehold. But right now, God's about to release that enemy, release that oppression, and you're going to breathe again. You're going to be able to speak again. You're going to be able to worship again. You've been yelling about a lot of things, but you haven't been praying about anything. And God is saying it's time to breathe again and worship again and sing again and praise again and, and lift up prayers and alms again. It's time to lift it up to the Lord. It's time to worship God. It's time to speak and use our voice for the kingdom. Use our voice for the will of God, for, the, for His work, for His way. And Lord, we thank you, God, that there's an anointing, that there's a fresh new thing that you're doing, a fresh new thing that's coming, a fresh new thing that's happening. And Lord, I pray that you've got, you've got a meal for the hungry, but you don't have to feed those who aren't hungry. Lord, I pray that we, we'd be as hungry as the meal is, that, God, we'd be prepared to receive all that you have for us and let our appetite, God, Lord, reflect the meal, God, Lord, that you want to serve up to us. Let us have a deep hunger for you. I want to read a, a scripture to you, and then we're going to be seated. And that's in Acts chapter 16. You might be familiar with it. It's Paul and Silas who have been beaten and thrown into prison, and it says this, but at midnight, everybody say midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you that chains are going to be loose today. I thank you that we're going to walk out free today. I thank you, God, that we're going to walk out whole today. I thank you that we're going to walk out, Lord, and all the limitations that have been put around us, Lord, the barriers to stop us, I pray that they'd come down today and we would continue to see a new work happen. And, Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Let's give God some more praise. You may be seated in this wonderful presence. Get your Bibles out. Open them to Acts chapter 16. Uh, we want you to uh, stay plugged in, stay connected with where the Lord is going to take us today. Um, this is such a wonderful passage of Scripture, and we're, most of us are very familiar with it, and some of you are, are being introduced to it, and it's the Scripture where Paul and Silas, it's on Paul's second trip, missions trip, and Silas's first trip, and so uh, we're going to take off and tell that story uh, on, uh, within the context of our series, which our series is entitled Breathe. Everybody say breathe. breathe. So I want you to write that down. It's Breathe Part 2. So last week we talked about breathe. We talked about the breath of God and how he breathed into Adam. We talked about how Jesus walked through the door and he breathed and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about how the breath of God, the ruach, that, that Hebrew word also means the wind and the spirit of God. And in the New Testament, we know it called the ruach kodesh, the holy breath, the holy wind, the holy spirit of God. 
And so that holy wind that came in in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room and filled the upper room and filled each and every one of them and filled them with the Spirit of God is the breath of God. And the breath of God isn't just something that fills our lungs. It fills everything about us because we learned that we are 99% empty. And our, literally our chemical makeup is empty. And the only one who can fill it is the one who created it. And so just like the oldest book in the Bible says that if God were to withdraw, the book of Job, if God were to withdraw his breath, we would return to a speck of dust. And science has proven now that if, God, if we were to em, uh, remove all the empty space in our bodies, we would be a speck of dust. How perfect does the word of God continue to be proven by science? Every time they want to try to prove God wrong, I'm like, please spend as much money as you can in trying to prove God wrong because all it does is prove the word of God true and that God is the creator of heaven and earth and that there is a God particle, there is an essence that they cannot explain. And so it continues to prove that God is real. And so today I want to talk to you off of that place, the foundation that we paved with the breath of God, now your breath. Well, you handed to a couple stories last week about how I had a friend and he had, he chokes every once in a while. He eats his, you know, when he's eating steak and different stuff, some people have that. It's just, it's just the way their throat works. And so they have to be real slow and careful. And then, but he had learned, he had choked so many times. He had learned how to just be calm in the moment and breathe and then continue to let it process because when crisis comes, right, it, your ability to just take a moment and breathe will help defuse a lot of conflict in your life and, and a lot of crisis and a lot of things that will only be exaggerated by drama and everybody being, are you okay? Are you all right? Is everything all right? Only everybody staring at you is only going to make it worse. Just take time and breathe. We talked about the Navy SEAL and he has the five by five principle of breathing that taught him how to go from the, the, the deepest depths of the ocean with very little oxygen. He wasn't going to survive, but he controlled his breathing. Five in, five hold, five out, five hold. And when he did that, he was able to control his breathing and he was able to regain get all the way back to the surface and live and survive. Why? Because he just controlled his breath. One moment of focused breathing will give you an hour's worth of concentrated ability. You have to just be able to take a moment and breathe. Everybody take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And just focus. We talked even in your breath calls for Yahweh. Way in and yet way out. And you just breathe. Breathe. Your very breath confesses that God is God. So there's so much to it. Now we go into the book of Acts, and it may not look like a lot of breathing here, but there's a lot that deals with your breathing in this passage right here and one specific area that I want to point out today. And as I promised last week, I'm going to show you the only place in the New Testament where a demon is mentioned by name. And, and because we hear about Paul teaching us that he says there is the spirit of fear, but that's in the way the spirit deals with. And then we also know that there is uh, the legion, the Bible, when he cast uh, uh, Gadarenes, he, ca he was about to cast, he said, don't, he said, leave us alone for we are, we're a legion, we are many. And we know that he called them many, but that wasn't a name. This passage that you are very familiar with, some of you, are you're going to find out that this passage has the name of a demon. And, and, and when you understand where the target is and what the target looks like, you can hit it. But you cannot hit a target that you cannot see. And God will allow the enemy to reveal his head only for you to cut it off. And it's not to intimidate you. It's to say, now you know where to shoot. 
Because you ought to look at yourself as a loaded gun constantly firing because you are a vessel of worship and you are constantly firing. You are constant, you are, you're worshiping something every moment of every day. And, and if, you cont- if you focus your energy in the right direction, you have the power to speak life and you have the power to speak death. And so we're able to step into this power and authority if we understand and interpret Scripture correctly. When you look at this passage, you have to understand that Paul and Silas were on their first journey together, but this was the the prelude towards Paul's great journey to Rome. This would bring great validation and become a tipping point for Paul's ministry to qualify him to go to Rome, which would change and save two-thirds of the world's population. Okay, so this ministry that's going to happen right here is very important. And so when you see this, it's Paul's tipping point, but it's God's turning point. I want you to write that down. Sometimes what may feel like a very difficult tipping point in your life is actually a a wonderful place of God's turning point. And what does he say? He said, I will turn all things, I'll work all things for the good of those who love me. And so that you may feel like you're about to fall, but God says, I'm about to change the world with you. Just let me use your testimony to impact those around you. So we, we have this this great story of Paul and Silas in prison, and we'll get there in a minute, but let me paint how they got there. Paul was, uh, uh, had a vision. He had a vision of Macedonia, and as he gets this vision, he feels called to go, and he goes, and he goes to Philippi. How many know the book of Philippians? So we have the book of Philippians because he went to Philippi, and he eventually wrote to the Philippians 10 years after this story. But the way he planted this church is he got to Philippi. They don't know the word of God. They worship a lot of pagan idols and a lot of demonic strongholds and principalities. And so he shows up and he begins to say, okay, let's, let's pray, let's meet, but he can't get 10 guys. He can't get 10 guys to have a quorum, to have a meeting. So he's like, well, we can't really do anything. So he decides to go down to the river to pray because he heard they go down to the water to pray. Well, the only people down there, the Bible says, were a bunch of women. Come on, where are my women at right now? You ought to be like, amen, that's right. Women know how to pray. And, and the women were, down, were the ones praying. And, for, and this is what happens. He gets down there, and he has a wonderful woman named Lydia. And Lydia says, oh, I want to help you build the kingdom of God. I want to invite you to my home. I want to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church of Philippians began with Lydia leading the charge in her home. So everybody who says women can't lead and women can't preach, the same guy who said women shouldn't be this and can't do this, Paul, if they take it out of context, they don't understand because they'll take one scripture in Corinthians, and they'll take another scripture, and they'll just say, oh, well, women can't speak. No, it says they should ask their husband the question at home. It's a different forum, because we're preaching to you as a Greek forum when they were teaching as a Hebrew forum, which was more of a circle. So it's a whole different context and a whole different concept in, in understanding. And then he says, Don't, oh, women shouldn't be put over men. And people think, oh, that means preaching over them. No, it doesn't. It means accountability towards. And so I'm not going to be accountable to a woman. Hey, how are you feeling this time of year, you know, how are you feeling? It's a, how can I help you? And I can't help her. I can't be accountable to that, but I can keep a man accountable because I know how to do that. And, and that's what he was speaking toward. It's balance and truth and interpretation. Let me just give you some, some practical truth right here. If you interpret it correctly, you'll know how to handle it correctly. But if you don't know how to interpret it, you won't handle it correctly. If I had something behind my back and I said, hey, get ready, I'm going to throw something to you. Catch. Right? Well, if it's a little teddy bear, you'd be like, oh, 
and catch a little teddy bear. But if it was a 30-pound weight, you might brace yourself a little differently because it's all about how you interpret what you're about to receive. So if I don't communicate what you're about to get correctly, you're going to get ready, and you might be thinking you're catching a teddy bear when you're really catching a 40-pound weight to the face. And it's difficult. You ought to understand what you're getting. Does, that, does this make sense? Yeah. So when it comes to interpreting the word of God, that's why you have a pastor. That's why you have leaders. That's why the Bible says that Paul told Timothy, rightly defy the word of God so you might show your workmanship approved. Why? Because we ought to know how to interpret the word of God. So when we see Lydia leading the church and leading building Philippi, it's, it's, a revi- it's something new. Everybody say it's something new. And especially back then. You think it's new now for a woman to preach or teach or lead or whatever. But it, it was very new back then. This was not common. This was not, a, not, even a, not even a good thing in some people's eyes. This was not even Christians and these people getting saved. This was a new thing. And a new thing was breaking out. And so all of a sudden this great new thing that's breaking out, Paul and Silas said, oh man, we're doing good. We're doing good. Oh, our church is growing. We got three services. We're going to four services. We got people getting saved and discipled and going to small groups. We got Brookdale service for the elderly assisted living. That happens every other Sunday. Oh, man, we already got five services every Sunday. Why don't you join one? Of, we got all this stuff that's good. It's something new that's happening. There were every reason to be excited. And they're like, let's go pray again. Because the last time we prayed, we launched a whole church. They're like on their way to prayer, which I hope you join us in fasting and praying because fasting and praying is going to do two things. It's going to move God and it's going to bring out the snakes. I want you to write that down because you need to be warned. Remember how you interpret. I could tell you, oh, it's going to move God and you're going to have a wonderful life and it's going to be perfect. Fasting and praying is going to be so easy. You're going to love it. No, you're not. You're going to hate it. You are literally going to be miserable. If you're really doing fasting correctly, you are going to be hangry. You're going to be irritable. You are going to be frustrated. You are not going to be nice. You are not going to smile. You're going to have the shakes. You're going to be, why? Because it's challenging your flesh. And what it's doing is you're going to hear that little rattle in your flesh every once in a while, like a rattlesnake wanting to bite everybody, but you're also going to hear the whisper of God. So you're going to get this while you fast and pray. So they went to fast and they went to pray again. When they went to fast and pray again, all of a sudden now this woman starts following them. And not, not Lydia. There's two women in this story. One woman loves them. The other woman hates them. But it's not her who hates them. It's the spirit within her that hates them. Because something new is happening. Because they're fine. They were fine with you going ahead and doing what you want to do as long as you don't change the structure of how we do things. You can go ahead and you can continue your little religious stuff, but you're changing some things. And I don't want you changing the structure of our life because I can prove it to you. Because what happened is all of a sudden this woman starts to annoy Paul. Oh, yeah. You ever had somebody annoy you? Don't look around. Just look up here. Like, it's, like you love everybody you're with, right? You had somebody annoy you, push your buttons, that person on Facebook just follow. I wonder why some people follow us on Facebook. All they do is just they're waiting for that opportunity to be like, oh, you churches, I can't believe you're gathering. Blah, 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 blah. Like, why? Just unfollow us, please. I, don't follow me. Like, why are you following me? I, you want, everybody acts like they want followers. You don't want all followers. Amen, right? You don't want all followers. You want followers who like you. Well, this is a woman who literally was like, follow Paul. Where are you going, Paul? Where are you going, Paul? What are you doing, Paul? Why are you talking, Paul? And everywhere he'd go, she would annoy him. Just push his buttons and just constantly challenge. Is that, oh, you heard from God, did you? 
Oh, you're building a church, are you? Oh, you're going to grow, are you? And everything he would do, she was sarcastic. She would challenge. She would try to correct. She would try to be like, that's not really, because she, she, she probably has heard from all these other Jewish people that used to be there. She would hear the, the Torah being speaking. I bet she even knew some of it. And so when she knew, knew some of it, she would probably try to correct some of it. Oh, is that really, how many ever knew that person in church? A pastor says a word incorrectly like speaking, like I just did. And you got three of you, you got three of you who are like, spoken. I did it on purpose. You, you have this opportunity uh, uh, to understand that there are a lot of people just waiting to correct you. Just waiting. Oh, he didn't say that verse. He mixed the apostle Paul and Peter up in that story. Who cares? The guy, this guy did that, and that guy did that. Somebody did something there, and it was good, okay? Why are we looking for the perfect, polished preacher? Why are we looking for the, the perfection in things when we're, we should be looking for the heart of which God looks for, too? God looks at the heart. So anyway, so that he goes, and she's annoying him. And the funny part is, is she's been annoying him for a little while. And he knows she's demon-possessed. If you knew... That that person who's been annoying you on day one was demon-possessed, and you had the power to cast that demon out, what would you do? Demon, come out of Jezebel, spirit, I pray right now, come out of that woman. And I'd be casting demons out every five seconds. But Paul knew he ought to be careful. Because listen, let me just tell you, some of us, we're looking, we're, we're looking for battles. You shouldn't be looking for a fight. You shouldn't be trying to pick a fight with the enemy. Do not, do not underestimate your enemy. He has not been able to kill, steal, and destroy for thousands of years because he is powerless and does not know what he is doing. He does have power, and he does have ability, and he is conniving, he is manipulative, he is deceitful, and he will use your pride to get into your life if you're not careful. Be careful and know that you have an adversary. And the Bible says he is crouching at the door, waiting to devour you. Can I just talk about devour for just a second? You ever seen the Discovery? Everybody watch the Discovery Channel? Right? You watch the Discovery? Come on. Come on. You liars. Yeah. We've ever seen it. Or at least a clip. You know, you see the Discovery Channel. Whenever you see a little gazelle, you know that something bad's about to happen. Right? And anytime there's a, a fluffy little animal moving somewhere, you know, like, oh, God. You start looking away. Some of you are like, oh, this is going to be great. And it's, it's the little animal, the cute little wombat that goes to drink water by the, you know, and that's the alligator like, raw and just kills it. Or it's the lion that jumps out. That's exactly, it, it is a vicious, it is a savage attack. He is not halfway coming at you. He is coming as soon as you crack that door open. His job is to devour you in one bite, shred you in a violent, vicious way. He does not have a desire to treat you well. And so you have to be careful. You have to understand. So Paul knew. Paul knew something. If I poked that bear, I bet he turned to Silas. And, and he turned to those Timothy. He turned to the guys. He said, you better get ready. I'm going to tell you, church, hey, we want to win all of Flagstaff and change Arizona. You need to get ready. You need to be prepared. It's going to come at a cost. It's going to come at a cost. And so he probably turned to Silas and said, get ready. And then he said, 
woman. <laughs> and he cast that demon right out of her. And when he cast that demon out of her, all of a sudden she couldn't divine anymore. The Bible says she operated in a spirit of divinity uh, or divination. And so she was able to divine things which related to a specific God in their, in their city, in Philippi. And that spirit, that demonic spirit's name is Python. And Python's job, right, is just like, that's where we get our word Python. We, uh, Python's job, literally, it, whether it's coming from the ground or fall, usually falling from a tree onto an animal, a smaller animal, is to wrap around that animal and to constrict it. Not necessarily to break all of the bones, but just to squeeze the breath right out. Not with a bite, not with venom, not with fangs. Not with a, it's not going to kill it like that. It's going to kill it just one squeeze. You'll be able to breathe for a little bit, and then it's slowly, 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 no more breath. Leave the structure, even leave the bones intact, but just slowly squeeze the breath right out. See, let me just talk first about the structure. See, the enemy is fine with you, and you can keep your structure. You can keep on. These guys were mad. The guys who got mad, who they, they, she, uh, they cast the demon out of her, and they couldn't make money anymore. Right? All of a sudden, their structure was torn down. The enemy was all upset about, like he was saying, I want to take this new thing that you're trying to do, this new move, this Lydia thing, this church thing, this fresh breath, this fresh move of God, and I want to take the breath and the anointing right out of it and not allow you to get any further. I don't care if you continue to be religious and keep your four walls and your little structure anymore, as long as you don't have fresh anointing, as long as you don't have real freedom, as long as you don't have real breakthrough, as long as you don't see miracle signs and wonders, as long as you don't cast out demons and cleanse the leper. As long as you don't have a fresh breath of God there, I'll leave you there, but I'll leave your structure, but I just want to take your anointing. Because that's really the goal here. The goal here is to take the breath of God, which is the anointing of God, the spirit of God that can change lives, that can bring freedom to the captive. You can keep your religious structure. You can keep that, but if don't, I won't mess with that. I'll leave that, but I'm going to squeeze the anointing right out of you. And we'll talk about what squeezes the anointing out. But I wonder what, what's been squeezing on you, what's been pressuring you, what's been coming back and saying, you know what, all of a sudden I had, I had a ton of time during my quarantine to read and pray, and now I've come out and work has gotten so busy, family's gotten so busy, we got our school, sports is starting back, everything's going back, and all of a sudden we're substituting some of these things of God for the things of the world, and we're saying, well, I just don't have time. It doesn't mean I love, I love God, but I, but I don't have time to go to prayer. I don't have time to fast and pray. I don't have time to go to church every week. He wants us to go to church every week. They had service on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Are we supposed to be here all week? What am I supposed to do with my free time? Where is my vacation time? And let me just tell you, God is fine with your religious, I mean, the enemy is fine with your religious structure as long as you have no anointing. And where you get the anointing is a fresh outpouring of God into your life. It's through prayer. It's through fasting. It's through reading your word. It's through being in the house of God so that you can be filled back up. Oh, slap your neighbor and say, you better get filled. We ought to get filled. We ought to get filled back up, encouraged back up. You cannot encourage yourself alone. You are worse by yourself. Did you know that when you're alone, your IQ drops 30%? That's a scientific fact. Yes, you are dumber. A loner, okay? Be togetherer. It's betterer, okay? We're way better together. 
We're way healthier together. We're stronger together. The Holy Spirit has deposited something in you that I need and vice versa. And that the Holy Spirit gives me during the week to preach to his church to say, I need you to fill my church. I need you to see, help encourage my church, strengthen my church, strengthen my body. Pour something new into them. Let the fresh oil of God, the breath of God fill you up. It's hard to be a light when you have no oil in your lamp. And this is where you get the oil. This is where you get a fresh outpouring. This is where you get fresh encouragement. This is where you get fresh strength. This is where you get fresh joy. This is where you get fresh life, fresh love, fresh peace. This is where you get the, the, the spirit of the Lord to pour into you and build you up to who you were called and created to be. You're a world changer and God's trying to do something new. See, Paul, the enemy knew if I can just get the wind out of Paul, if I can just get the, if, if I can use this spirit to oppress him, because then when he cast the spirit out, all these people mobbed and attacked him and tried to beat him to death and they stripped him naked and beat them with rods and then threw them in prison and now lying in prison in a cold, wet prison, beaten to death. There's the thought of, should I give up? Should I quit? This is only our second trip. Is this going to happen every trip? Every other trip? Right? You, you begin to think those thoughts. I went to church and I tithed and my finances didn't get better. I went to church and I prayed and it didn't get better. I, I, went, I, I went and I was, I was in the word and all I did was fall asleep because I was bored. Does that happen to any? Come on, you liars out there. That's how, we, we all have had those moments. We, we have these moments and these things where the enemy's going to try to convince you. Oh, yeah, you tried to step out and serve and they only bit your hand. Oh, you tried to step out and help the church and it felt like they only abused you. Oh, it stepped out. You did these things and now only hurt and pain. And it tries to associate your anointing with pain. And Paul and Silas had a decision to say, am I going to quit or am I going to keep going? Am I going to surrender or am I going to be like Job? And even though the Lord slaved, I will trust him that no matter what I go through I'm, I know that God is for me and if God be for me who can be against me and no weapon formed against me shall prosper they may use it I may get hit I may get beaten but it won't take me out why because God is on my side and if God be for me I can stand against any trial and circumstance and I can be bloody and beaten I can go through COVID in a pandemic I can go through all kinds of racial tension and political tension, economic stress. I can go where it feels like the world is going to hell in a handbasket and I can say, God, you are still in charge. God, you are still on the throne because the enemy's job with that woman is to get her to say what he wanted. And the enemy's job with Paul, now that that spirit was trying to linger, is to try to get Paul to not give praise to God, but to complain about his circumstance. And in that prison, Paul and Silas made a decision they made a decision to sing and pray in fact the bible says word him i want you to write the word him down and the reason the word him is so important is because they had it memorized they had a song hidden within their heart do you have a song you know how many remember, I, 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 like, as I'm up here, I'm thinking of like, I am a friend of God, 1995. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, or like all of the little nursery rhymes that you learn. 
the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And then, uh, I don't know, and, uh, the rains came tumbling down and the floods came up. You see all these little nursery songs, these, these fun songs, or a Christian song. When you come to church, are all of these songs foreign, or do you know anything? Because there is a chance that you could be, uh, uh, you could be worshipless out there where you need it most. You, you, could, you could be missing out on the praise outside of here with no screen attached. You could be missing out the praise that will win that battle. Because worship and praise always precedes the victory. But if you're out there in the fight and out there in the worst of it, in the thick of it, not here in the locker room, not here in the hospital, not here in the peace of sanctuary, not here in the safe place, but when you're out there in the world and you don't have a song to sing, it's going to be a difficult road ahead. But when you meditate on it, when you memorize that word, when you memorize these songs and you call out and you cry out and you sing, when everybody tells you you ought to shut up and be silent, talking is what got you into this mess. You can sing and you can praise God when the enemy says, I'm only going to bring more pain. I'm only going to bring more suffering. You can sing and you can worship God when there's a song within your heart. Psalms 89 says, I know the passwords of praise and I cannot be quiet. We are called to be vessels of worship and when the enemy tries to constrict on your marriage when the enemy tries to choke out the life in your kids when the enemy tries to come in and just squeeze addiction into your life just slow it's never all all at once it's usually just one little rap at a time let me share a story with you this happened many years ago in the northeast and and uh, first of all, let me just say I hate snakes. Okay, I, I, if you brought a snake up here, we are not friends. Okay, I'll fight you. <laughs> uh, I hate, 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 hate snakes. It, it creeps me out. I, I, I freak out with snakes. I don't like snakes. My mother, maybe one time we were coming through Arizona, and she was like, "The Bible says we have not been given the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind." And she was saying that because we were at this petting zoo that they said, "Hey, we need a little bunch of little kid volunteers." And I was like, for what? And they said, well, we have the largest anaconda, you know? And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. My mom was like, the Bible says we have not been given the spirit of fear. I'm like, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So <laughs> she pushes me out. I have to hold this thing. I'm terrified. I'm like, this thing is bigger than all of us little kids. It can eat us. I was like, why are we out here? So gross. I, I hate snakes. Well, there was this one lady in the Northeast a long time ago uh, that she, she, collect, she had snakes. She, they were pets, you know, and she had a pet python. And this pet python she, she kept, um, she didn't put in a cage. She didn't put in a little uh, aquarium or a terrarium, whatever you call it. She didn't put in those things. And so she, she let it go ahead and just wander around the house. And then, and then all of a sudden she was like, oh, okay, she treated it such like a pet. She let it sleep with her. And so it would sleep in the same bed with her. Well, the, the pet she would try to feed, she'd try to feed the python. And some of y'all are just as grossed out as I was when I heard this story. And, and she tried to feed the python, and the python would stop eating. The python stopped eating, but the weird part is the python stopped eating and started growing. So it was getting larger in width and in length. And she was wondering if the intestines and certain things were swelling and it was going to die soon. So she took it to the vet, and when she took it to the vet, he goes, he's asking normal questions, thinking this thing lives in a cage. So he's saying, well, what are you feeding? Oh, it's not eating. Well, what are you drinking? What is it doing? Well, how old is it? All these, all these little basic questions. And then, well, well what is, how big is the aquarium that you're, you know, I'm saying the wrong, what is the terrarium? Terrarium, is that? What, yeah. I, I, yeah, only a few of y'all know. The rest of y'all don't know snakes. So I'm like, yeah, y'all are saints. You don't even know what snakes go in. Neither do I because I'm saved and I love Jesus. But I, uh, I have to. 
Snakes go buried in the ground. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have, so she, he was like, well, what, is he, uh, what is he sleeping? And, he, and she said, oh, no, I let him roam around the house. And, and then he, he sleeps up in bed with me. He goes, that's why. And the reason why is because he said he's starving himself so that he can grow to fit you in him. Because what, we're, what, what she was doing is she allowed the snake to get too uh, close enough, thinking it was a pet, thinking it was nice, thinking it was friendly, because it didn't bite her, and it never attacked her before. So this must be a friendly, right? And what the enemy is going to do in your life is he is not going to, he may not bite you at first, but he's going to lull you in. He's going to lure you in. He's going to deceive you in. He's going to manipulate you in. It's like drug addiction. It's one little thing. Oh, it's not, it's just that you're not, you're not a drug addict. No, no, it's just one little, uh, and then all of a sudden it builds and it builds and it builds. Why? To kill you and destroy your life. Oh, no, it's just a little bit of pornography. It's not going to destroy your marriage. It's kind of, it's re-engaging. It's, oh, it's lighting a fire. No, oh, it's just one little thing at a time. Oh, no, it's just skipping prayer service on Wednesday night. It's all good. We got soccer. We got volleyball. We got this. No, no, no. It's just one little thing at a time. And the enemy is going to constantly say, oh, just give in one little bit, one little bit, one little bit. Why? So I can get close enough to devour you. Why? Because he said, I'm at the doorstep of your life. And we are letting the enemy get closer and closer and closer but I'm here to tell somebody there is hope because you can be free you can be free in your marriage you can be free in your heart you can be free in your life we can free our city we can free our state we can free our nation we can free our nation has been the church of Jesus Christ this this python has been wrapping around it saying okay I'll leave your structure as long as you have no anointing I'll leave I'll squeeze it all out as long as you just have cute little worship and, and a fun little preacher who just makes you laugh every once in a while and you got some cute little small groups as long as you don't really see the hand of God in your ministry I'll let you function because I'm just going to squeeze you out a little bit I'm just going to continue to put the pressure on you until there is no life in you and you are a lifeless church you are a lifeless believer but as we say here a quiet believer is a and that's exactly what happens here he could have gone quietly in the night and died, Paul and Silas. But at midnight, when one day was ending and a new dawn was beginning, Paul and Silas began to pray and began to sing and began to worship and began to seek. I, I, I think this is what I think they were singing because I know we're going to sing it in heaven. Holy, 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 holy worthy is the lamb why because i know angels right now are singing at the throne room of heaven saying holy 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 worthy is the lamb holy 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 worthy is the lamb holy holy when my darkest moment comes over me i'm gonna sing holy 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 come on church holy 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 worthy is the lamb that we can sing a song in the middle of our worst situation and breathe again laugh again Smile again, love again, laugh again, get excited again. Come on, church. Come on, let's give God a good praise. Come on, a good praise, a good praise. Hallelujah. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. That same spirit, listen. It, try, it went from her, then it went to the crowd to try to get them to kill him, and then it went on them to try to stay on them, and they sang it off them, and then it went to the jailer. This is how I know the spirit lingered. Because while you may cast it out of your life, it's going to try to attack someone else's life. 
and your job is to watch everybody else around you continue to suffer and die because this man tried to take the very breath of his life. He tried to take his life and say, I'm done and fall on his own sword. Paul said, no, 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 no. We're all here. It's okay. It's safe. Now, let me just give you this. Paul is terrible at prison breaks. Chains were off. Walls came down. What would you do? I'd have been gone, baby. Way gone. But Paul, Paul knew. That's okay. Walls came. Think about this. He wasn't even impressed. And why? Let me give you another one. Why did the walls and the chains come off? Why did the walls fall down and the chains come off? Because God was breaking down some old prison structures in order to do something new. Remember what we talked about? Something new was being birthed. And if something new is being birthed, then the old structure's got to go. The old thing's got to fade. That veil had to be torn. Those prison walls had to come down. Why? Because there was something new being birthed. And Paul knew, oh, the walls came down? Cool. He, was, he wasn't even worried about running. Think about that. He knew how free he was the moment he worshiped. Not before the chains came off, not before the walls came down, before, or before the walls came down, before the chains came off, he knew how free he was. Think about that. I want you to begin to see yourself as that. You may be right now dealing with some temptation, dealing with some sin, dealing with some shame, dealing with some issues in your life where the enemy's trying to get a stranglehold on you, and you're going to be free, but you need to see yourself right now as free indeed because Jesus already paid the price for you. Forgiveness and grace is already available, and all I need to do is worship my way into it and praise God and thank God my way into it and just begin to say, God, you got this. You got this. No, I'm not perfect. But you got this. Chains are coming down. Walls are coming down. I got, you got this. You can do anything. I'll be free because I'm already free here. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. God, I pray right now, Lord, if there's anybody in here, God, who feels the conviction of the Holy Spirit to be free, I pray some boldness would come upon them because I'm about to ask each and every person with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you need freedom in your life, you're going to come down to this altar. You may need freedom in your mind. You may need freedom in your heart. You may need freedom in your marriage. You may need to be free from this constrictive spirit that's tried to wrap itself around you and convince you that everything else is right and God is wrong. Whatever that's, whatever it is that's trying to suffocate you, take the breath out of your lung, take the anointing out of your ministry, take the leadership out of your life, take the impact out of your world. Let me just tell you, God is here to set you free. He wants you to be free today. And if that's you, nobody's looking around and you want to be free, I want you to be crazy bold with crazy faith and I want you to come down to the altar right now and fill this altar. Come on, if you want freedom, come down to this altar. Come on, give a hand for everybody who's coming down. Spread out, spread out all over this altar. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. From all the way to the right, all the way to the left, come down to the center. Yeah, come on, let's keep going. Let's give God some real praise. Come on, come on, come on. Let's give God some real praise. Come on, make some noise in here. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, if you're in your seat, I'm, I, I'm believing you are free, and I want you to stretch your hands towards them, and I want you to raise your hand. Maybe you're up here, and you're believing for somebody else you know to be free. Lord, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for each and every single person, Lord, that's up here right now. God, Lord, that they would receive the freedom of Jesus Christ that he paid on the cross for each and every one of us to have. And, Lord, I thank you whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And, Lord, right now, we pray for freedom over every heart 
heart and mind and soul. Freedom from addiction. Lord, freedom from, from lust. Freedom, God, Lord, from pride. Freedom, God, Lord, from control. Freedom, God, Lord, from the enemy's grip on our life. Freedom, God, Lord, from laziness. God, freedom, God, from idolatry. Freedom, God, from the spirit that tries to constrict. Freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray that there's freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom in our marriages. Freedom in our children. Freedom in our school districts. Freedom in our prison systems. God, freedom, God, Lord, with our police officers. Freedom in our fire department. Freedom. God, let freedom reign, God, in our city and all of northern Arizona. And we're going to do it one life at a time. Lord, the enemy is not going to take the breath of God out of this church. He's not going to take the anointing out of this church. He's not going to take the oil out of this church. He's not going to take it, Lord. Miracles, signs, and wonders will follow those who follow you. And, Lord, we pray for a miraculous touch of God today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody, under the sound of my voice, if you believe in the power of the freedom of Jesus Christ, let's give God a good praise. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Stay standing. We'll, we'll just stay right here like we're family, like we love each other and know each other for decades, right? I, I, we're going to speak this declaration and be dismissed. I want you to continue to view your life just like we were talking about. Every opportunity is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a chance for you to choose to get closer to God and be filled up. Think about it. Think about how empty you may feel right now. You've been going for a long stretch, pouring out in family and friends and loved ones and trying to get through the year of 2020, trying to push into this year with any kind of energy and excitement and hope and anticipation. You've been given a lot. And let me just tell you, I don't need to ask you if you're empty. I know you're pretty empty. And 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 because I know I've been there. And I need, an, I need a refresh. I need a fresh breath of God in my life to feel like me again, to feel strong and healthy again, vibrant and beautiful again feel powerful and encouraged and full of joy and hope and life again. We need the fresh breath of God to revitalize each and every one of us. Amen. What a great day. What a great day. What an awesome day. Let's speak this bridge declaration together and be dismissed. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you, Bridge. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at weirbridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Bridge Church family online for the first time, we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at weirbridge.church to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected because we're so much better together. together.